0: She will be 10 years wow. this December, Wow. so she has reached the double digits. Um, and so that the show, she's had 10 years of um, walking with God, failing, <laughs> victories, um, so many things have come in those 10 years, and it's really cool to talk about her right now. Um, <laughs> We've known each other all through college and as we were disciples in college ministry, but we just never like clicked. We weren't like, oh, I know. I see you. But when we both, um, I was already in Nashville leading and she came to North River, and that's kind of where our connection really um, grew. And we just kind of like blossomed from that. Um, and she's become one of my best friends. <laughs> That is not an understatement by any means. Um, (laughs) Our our husbands are great friends, Jordan and Kendall, (laughs) um, which helps. Us have created just a great friendship, just having lots of fun. We go on vacations together. We have two sons that are the same age, so we have another Kendall and Jordan in the (laughs) making. So, trouble. Um, But uh, just someone that I feel very safe with. Say anything on boxer to her, (laughs) like listening to her box and I'm like dying laughing. (laughs) Like how real she is with me, Um, whether we're together or you know social media of some sort. Um, She's just very honest. Um, I just am am admired by everything you do. I was like watching her with Cam. I'm like you're so gentle. I'm more of like a. I mean, if you've seen Anna, she's a little aggressive. (laughs) I'm a little aggressive too. (laughs) But like, Latoya's very gentle and extremely compassionate. And I'm just like, wow, I want to be a mom like that. And then she just loves Jordan, and she's very honest about her marriage. She's not like here to say, I just have everything down. She doesn't. <laughs> uh, but what she does have down is she's just a woman who loves God to death. Obviously, we got to see a great moment today in her life, becoming you know, a woman, being how you say it, a women's ministry leader, essentially. Something that Kelly said was like, you'd want her in the end game, and I'm like, yes you would. Like, She would be, you know, if you saw the movie, I'm just kidding, I won't say anything, but um, (laughs) maybe you need to go see it. But I just feel that I like want to walk with her. We always joke about like, okay, let's go leave a church together. Jordan and Kendall are always like, will you leave? And Kendall's like, no, you leave. (laughs) But just how like I want to learn from her, I'm learning from her. I'm always asking her questions, always stealing her things. She's got this little glam group, so I've created my own in Nashville. Like, I just want to do everything she does in every way because um, it's so inspiring, and I just love you so very much, and I'm excited to hear what you're going to share. I'm always, always intrigued and always cut to the heart, and so before she comes up, let's pray. Um, God, thank you so much um, just for so far what we've learned And just even with Chelsea um, sharing her heart, I just feel like you're just shredding my heart piece by piece and chipping away so much um, um, that Satan kind of puts there. God, um, we want every bit of you in our hearts. And God, just open our hearts to really listen to what you're going to say and how you're going to speak through Latoya. You've already spoken so well people so far, God, and thank you so much for LaToya and her heart and her example um, as a a follower of you, and uh, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves in our hearts, that we can take this back to our cities, Mm -hmm. and not just be inspired here, but to really inspire others, Father. We love you so much.
1: But, you know. I'm tired, okay. So I'm just gonna be real, real with you. I'm tired, so we're gonna try to be, you know, engaged. I'm gonna try to be engaged with you. You're gonna try to be engaged with me. And Let's go, Toya. Yeah. It's gonna be amazing, okay? I'm Latoya. So I'm with Toya Massey, as she said. I'm um, obviously joined here in Atlanta, and it's obviously been a very special day for us. Um, so crazy to think about who I was and where we are today, which I'll share a good bit um, in my lesson. But the title of my lesson end of me. Mm-hmm. That's the title of the lesson, the end <laughs> of me. And when you think about the word me, like when you think about me, like not, not me, not you, you think about you. <laughs> when you think about me, um, I'm sure some things come to mind. When I think about me, like without God, it's terrifying. Yeah. Like when I think of who I am without Jesus, without God's inter- um, interfering in my life, it's the qualities are like, disgusting and terrible and sad and and hopeless, right? And so me without God is scary. And I think about every time I look at passages about sin. You ever read like Galatians 5 or 2 Timothy 3 Mm -hmm. and you read the scripture and you're like, oh yeah, that's me. That's how I can feel sometimes when I look at my worldly self without God changing who I am. My worldly self is really, really scary. But God offers us a chance to get rid of that person and be more like him. And there's literally not one quality of Jesus that I wouldn't want to be defined as—like, right. just pick one, like compassionate. Oh my gosh, like humble. Oh, I love, like, just give me yeah. one, give me a piece of Jesus fully, and I would be satisfied, honestly. And so, yeah. that's that's the beauty of our walks with God is that we take that person who is full of sin, and we get to do the ultimate life swap, you know. And uh, there's a scripture that I love in John three. He said it back, John three thirty. He said, "I must become less; you must be." Switch places with me, Jesus. Like, yeah. I will be you. You be me. Um, and I think it's easier said than done, right? Or everyone yeah. would be a disciple. Everyone would follow Jesus if you could snap your finger like Thanos and become, <laughs> you know, <laughs> become like Jesus. It would be so easy. But a passage that kind of demonstrates this is Second Corinthians chapter 5. Yeah. Come on, Toya. Verse 21, it says, God made him who had no sin yeah. to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. And have you ever been in a Bible study and you read, you know, a passage about sin, and maybe one of the girls in the studies is like, oh, yeah, I really can't relate, you know? But you know, like, okay, girl, you're just being prideful. Like, yeah. you can relate to one of these things. Jesus is that person who reads that scriptures and goes, oh, I can't relate. Yeah. And he's not even being arrogant about it. Right. He's literally like, no, I've deceived. No, I've never done that before. Lust after a woman? No. I've never done it. Why? That's not me. Imagine being able to say that with a clear conscience. Like, that's not me. That's Jesus, and that's who we get to Mm -hmm. trade places with. Jesus became me, so I could become him. Mm -hmm. But that only really matters if I genuinely want to become him. Because becoming like Jesus is something that requires us to fully willingly submit ourselves to Jesus. Yeah. It doesn't magically happen at baptism, even though baptism and repentance and having that faith in Christ, that's beautiful and it's amazing, but it doesn't just happen like that, right? right. It's, it's a lifestyle of surrender. And that's what I want to talk about today is how do we get a lifestyle of surrender where we're no longer living as ourselves, yeah. but we're living, a ver- we're little versions of Jesus, right? That's what Christian is, a little version of Christ. And yeah. Christ, we think about the qualities that describe Jesus, and the qualities that define you were are pretty different, right? If you're anything like me, like Jesus is on this side, and I'm on the other side of the country. I'm like nice. all the way over there. So how do I get there? You know? Yeah. Um, so let's start in the Scripture, Hebrews chapter 11. We'll, we'll open up a passage oh, that I think it helps to, you know, help us figure out where do we start? How do we get to the point where uh, we can really pursue the end of ourselves, the beginning of where Jesus is? Yeah. yeah. And I think in Hebrews chapter 11, the the people in the hall of faith had a secret that I think we need to learn how to emulate. Hmm. In Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. Hmm. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have have had an opportunity to return. Mm. But as it is, they desire a better country. Mm. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Mm. These men and women in the hall of faith, you know, it says that they, another version says they were longing for a city that was different than their own. They looked at the world around them and they, that word longing, it says desire. They they genuinely wanted yeah. something different. They weren't like impressed with the world. They wanted something different. And they were looking for a different country, a country that was not their own. They chose to not take their cues from the world. They chose to be very different men and women. And we see that in those stories, right? They were sawed in half. Like, I mean, you read Hebrews 11 and you're like, I see why you're in the Hall of Fame. Just didn't yeah. become a Christian and, and walk a regular life. You were, you were faithful. Their eyes were set on something much bigger than themselves. Their eyes were set on something so much bigger than this. What this world wanted them to focus on. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. What this world wants us to focus on. Hmm. I found it really interesting. I was like looking some stuff up and preparing for this lesson, and I looked at a declaration, our Declaration of Independence. For all history fun people, this is a little bit for you. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting that on that Declaration of Independence, there's a clause in there that really misquotes God and his plan for our lives. I'm gonna read it. This is in our Declaration of Independence. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty and the the pursuit of happiness. In the Declaration of Independence, we are told that God wants us to pursue happiness. What verse is that? Show me the scripture, right? It's not there. Not that God doesn't want you to be happy, but the pursuit of happiness, that commitment of our lives to happiness, that's a trap. And I think we can fall into it sometimes. I think it's interesting because what makes me happy does not glorify God. Like, again, you take God out of the picture and you just look at me. Mm-hmm. What makes me happy does not bring glory to God. Spending money I don't have on clothes and all kinds of things I don't need. Mm-hmm. Or getting lots of unnecessary attention from men. That was a huge thing in my past. Using my speech or my sarcasm to hurt people or to feel better about myself. Being deceitful in the way I presented myself so that other people could, I could control the way people thought about me. Based off of how I communicated mm-hmm. who I was. Or cutting people off. If you don't, if you run me the wrong way, I just don't want do to deal with you. I don't have to. I can just cut you off. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I'd love to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. Right? Like, no standard, no accountability. Mm-hmm. I do me. Mm-hmm. That makes me happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But all of those kind of statements that make Latoya happy are literally in exact opposition to the kingdom of God mm-hmm. that Jordan talked about. I am naturally an object of opposition mm. to Jesus, the man that I love, right? And so I have to be really careful to not take my cues from myself, yeah. to not take my cues from the world. And what's unfortunate is that this world welcomes our me. Mm. This world encourages our me, and this world nourishes yeah. our me. But when we became disciples, didn't we decide that that me need to be crucified? Didn't we decide that that me was not worth, you know? Jordan said today, Aren't you a terrible king or queen for yourself? I'm like, Yes, my, my kingdom was terrible, yeah. right? And so I need to be uh, someone who's really passionate about laying me aside yeah. to be able to pick up Christ. And that's not easy. I don't know about for you, but I think it's, it's easy to become a disciple and decide, All right, I'm going to be at church, I'm going to have a quiet times, so I'm going to do all these things. But that, like Jordan mentioned even today, that constant transformation, not just that one-time decision, but that constant transformation is really, really hard. And sometimes I think, unfortunately, our schedules are more transformed than our characters Hmm. in our walk with God. Yeah, you're at Devo. Yeah, you're at church. Sure, you gave for Generosity Sunday. Yeah, you went on that mission trip. But the you that you were two weeks ago is not welcome into who God wants you to be two weeks from. Do we think that way? It's a constant. It's like a you know, revolving door, what's coming in, what's going out? It doesn't just stop when we become Christians. Yeah. So that's my first point. Mm. The pursuit of happiness, our greatest distraction. Mm. Let's go over to Psalms 115. Yeah. Let's go, Toya.
0: It's
1: good stuff. In Psalms 115, I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. I, um, I lost my Bible for like a couple of months, and <laughs> I just got it back, and it just feels so great. I oh. feel like, hey, I feel like Thor in his camera. Like, yeah, love <laughs> you know? go. So, Psalms one fifteen verses four through eight, it says, "Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see, they have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell, they have hands but do not feel." but do not walk, and they do not make sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, and so do all who trust in them." You know, our pursuit of happiness makes us kind of numb to the world around us. We're so focused on ourselves. This passage talks about all these senses. They have the representation of these senses, but they've lost the ability to use them. They can't see, they can't hear, they can't walk, they can't talk. And what's crazy and really scary, verse 8, those who make them become like them. Yeah. So do all who trust in them. Wow. So when we trust in the idols of ourselves, the things that make us happy, mm-hmm. we become mute. Basically, overall, we become ineffective yeah. because we can't hear the world. We can't see them. We yeah. can't help them. We can't talk to them. We can't feel them. We can't, like, yeah. all the things that God gave you to experience life that is truly life, he promises in the scriptures, are things that make us happy, make us numb to that. Mm. And we become this pointless being, you know? I'm going to quote Taylor Swift for you daily. She says, don't become, uh, don't, please don't ever become a stranger whose life I could recognize anywhere. I don't know what she meant by that, but when I hear it, I think of, wow, everybody looks the same. Like I can meet a stranger and I know, mm-hmm. oh, you're pursuing your relationship, your career, your, mm-hmm. your hair is your most important priority and your money and you don't want me to know that you were crying last night. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's 80% of the girls in the room, right? Mm. Please don't become just like everyone else. Yeah. And I don't think the world needs us to be like everyone else at this point. The last time I looked at the news or talked to another human, it's just like sad yeah. to see how much this is true the Bible is really true, is that we really become pointless and we, we, we really lose ourselves in a lot of things when we're just relying on what we know to be good for us. Mm. We, we get to call the shots. We rely on our own talents. Or we, lie, or we rely on ourselves not to look bad in front of other people. So it's like if I put myself in a situation, I don't want to look bad, so I'm just going to do what's comfortable to me mm. because that makes me happy. I don't want to look bad. And I thought about um, just how some of you guys, raise your hand if you have done one of the spotlight presentations this, this year so far. Raise your hands high, yeah. Way to go, that's hard. It's hard to get up here and openly like accept feedback, right? Because we don't like to look bad in front of people, but you ladies, you risked it. You got up here, and you, and I remember Jordan was like, we were talking about it on staff, he was like, we want to give them feedback for training. And I was like, oh cool, like find them afterwards, right? And be like, hey, this is what I thought you could do. He's like, no, in front of the whole group, we're gonna give them feedback. I'm like, do they know that? <laughs> terrified, you know? But it's cool that you guys did that. It's yeah. amazing that you stepped out and risked it to be able to look bad if you will. You guys did amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very rare that the world gives you opportunities to do that yeah. because we all just kind of want to get on the conveyor belt and slide into mediocrity, mm-hmm. right? And that's not, that's not what Jesus died for. Right. The world really doesn't have a standard for you. Yeah. And that's scary. And unfortunately, some of us meet that standard. We're not really trying. We're not living up to our full potential. Yeah. because we're lazy and complacent mm-hmm. and I think we really gotta fight to be engaged in our walk with God like yeah. you can't be passive in your walk with God we have right. to be really engaged to be able to swap our lives for Christ's life so how do we do that? Yeah. I think for me a way that I can tell like what I'm pursuing if it's happiness or not is a couple of the questions I ask myself um, is what makes me cry easily mm-hmm. Like, what has easy access to my heartstrings? Hmm. What I really care about, or how do I introduce myself? I remember um, when I was interning for the first time, so I graduated from Georgia State in 2010. Okay. Um, go state. <laughs> and I remember when I graduated, so today was emotional. Oh my gosh, it was so emotional. <laughs> but the woman who baptized me was here today, Christina Maldonado, she baptized me and trained for a few years before I came to North River. And I remember of how, how, like, terrible. I mean, I, can't remember, but it was, um, I can share about how, how crazy it really, really was, but I remember when I uh, started to intern, I was so embarrassed that I was still at Georgia State, because I gradu- I became a disciple as a senior, graduated shortly after, and I was so con- I was so intent on leaving Georgia State and pursuing my career. I wanted to be a physical therapist, I was applying to grad school, all this stuff. So I was like, oh, I'm leaving Georgia State, and Christina would be like, oh, do you want to you know, serve in this way, or do this Bible talk, and I'm like, no, 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 Christina, seriously, I'm done with Georgia State. <laughs> I'm leaving, right? And so four years later, where was I? At Georgia State doing the one-year challenge. And I would run into my peers that were now in grad school or were coming by for a post-bac class, and I'd be like, oh, what are you doing on campus? Like, oh, I'm getting my master's and, you know, everything. And I'm like, oh, cool. But what are you doing here? And my response would be, oh, I'm just interning for my church. And I, and I felt every time I said that sentence, I felt smaller and smaller and smaller because I was embarrassed to be there. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be important. I wanted to have you know all these initials after my name. I wanted to say that my plan for my life worked out, but God kept having all these changes in my life, and I wasn't. I was doing them, but I wasn't like happy about it <laughs> at that time. And so I, I got to the point where I told myself I wasn't allowed to say just anymore because mm-hmm. when you say just anything after that is now not important, right? right? Like, if you are with, like, your mom, and she's like, oh, that's just my daughter. Like, hey, oh mom. You know? <laughs> like, that's cool. You know, like, and so I think I was training the way that I was thinking. I was training myself to belittle my role in ministry. Mm-hmm. I was training myself to think, oh, I'm just interning. But that is the biggest, like, me interning and, and working for the Lord is the biggest honor yeah. I can ever have. So to say, oh, I just work for God, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to say that anymore, you know? But I think even the way we introduce ourselves, what comes first? We say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I, I do this. You know, what if we were like, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. What are you? You know? And so I think even some of those questions we have to ask ourselves, do we cry or do we introduce ourselves based on our scholarships or Hmm. our talents or our grades even? Or what about our relationships? Sometimes our relationships, we Way too much to us, whether it's a peer friendship or a boyfriend or a wannabe boyfriend that you wish you had. Like, there's a lot of things that we can sometimes over-identify as with, be under-identify with Christ. Like, He's almost sometimes a little lower on the list. And not that these things don't matter, but I think their priority level will tell us something like what we're pursuing and why. Yeah. Um, and in Hebrew, Hebrews 11, the writer mentions that they were longing for something. Are you longing for something different in your walk with God? Mm. Are you long and not that you know? Before we became disciples, I know for me, I remember longing to be right with God. Yeah. Like I was even like, is it? I didn't know this, this whole study thing. I didn't. I didn't even know I was studying the Bible until like five studies into my Bible study. So I remember I was like, I was like, do I graduate? Like, how does this work? <laughs> um, but I, I feel like there's for me back then there was this desperation of like, God, please rescue me. Yeah. But then when we become disciples, sometimes it can be like, okay, cool, I'm rescued. And we stop longing. We stop longing for something deeper. We stop being desperate for something deeper. Are you absolutely done with your old self? Yeah. Are you completely finished with who you are without Jesus? Yeah. Um, you can write this passage down. I want to read it for time's sake. In Philippians 3, verses 7 through 8, Paul references all the things that he, used to be before Christ, he says that they're garbage. Yeah. He says they're trash. I love that. Yeah. When I became a disciple, you could look at the world standard of what it meant to be successful and I had it all. Yeah. I, was dance te- I was on a dance team at Georgia State for three years. I was homecoming queen at Georgia State. I won Miss Black and Gold. I started organizations. I knew everybody. I was on some Twitters, top ten people to know at Georgia State. And guess what? It's trash. Mm. It's pointless. It's all, like, there could not be a better word. It's garbage right. in right. comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, you know? Like, that yeah. is my truth. I, it is to my core. And it it scares me. It's, it's, like, the most disgusting thought to think of the woman I used to be walking in this room right now. Mm. If she were to come back and meet some of you guys. Like, I was tearing up writing this part of my lesson thinking of her meeting some of the girls that I lead now. Mm. That scares me. Thinking of her interacting with my husband, that makes me want to fight her, (laughs) you know? And thinking about her raising my son, that breaks my heart to think of her impact that she have.
0: So we've got to
1: get to the point where our old selves are just not welcome here. Who I am is not welcome in my life. And I think I have to really fight because it's hard to get to the end of yourself because it's you, right? It's like, I'm the worst at doing diets and stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to eat sweets for a week. Free donuts, great, thanks. (laughs) I'm terrible, but if someone Jesus. You know, if you're still impressed with your sinful nature, you're not at the end of yourself. If you can think of some of your qualities that don't naturally reflect Christ and go, yeah, that's just how I am, I'm so sorry for you. Because you are not living at the end of yourself. If you're defensive when someone brings up something that you can change in your character, or in your relationships, and you get defensive, you're not at the end of yourself. If you enjoy thinking about the things you would do if you were able to not be a disciple, you're not at the end of yourself, and really you're in danger, because like Jordan said, we're only two seconds away, two decisions away yeah. from God knows what, right? And so I think we first and foremost need to decide that our happiness is not based on us being us. Yeah. Your happiness, your rest, your refreshment, your peace, biblically comes from says, come to me and I will give you rest. Yeah. Repentance brings refreshment. Not Netflix. <laughs> That's not rest, right? Yeah. Jesus offers that. We really have to see ourselves in a sober way so that we can pursue him wholeheartedly. Yeah. I saw this quote. It says, growth is painful. Change mm-hmm. is painful. But nothing is more painful as staying stuck somewhere you don't belong. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes in our walks with God, we'll miss, on, miss out on a lot in our walks with God if we're stuck being me, need, that is for you, right? You're stuck being there. And so, if we're not pursuing happiness, what do we focus on? So, I have a little plot twist for you. Let's look at Isaiah 53. All right. I think our answer to this question is a little bit not what we want to hear, at least for me. Mm-hmm. The answer, my second point is something that I don't really like. <laughs> um, let's, let's look at Isaiah 53. Yeah.
0: Come on. Let's go, to a, uh...
1: Isaiah 53, I'll read verses 3-7. through This is a prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. In verse 3 of Isaiah 53, it says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. We we are all like sheep who have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before a shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Mm. You know, Jesus was a man accustomed to suffering. Jesus was a man that didn't live an easy life, and I believe suffering puts us in a really unique position to be like Jesus. Mm. And that's my second point, the pursuit of sacrifice, our greatest honor. Mm. I think mean, sacrifice is something that we try to avoid. Sacrifice sounds like too intense for us when we're too like, oh, I'm, I'm cool with that. I don't really want that, and I think sacrifice, if we're disciples, should be at the core of who we are because that's at the core of who Jesus was, and that's, it's like knitted across the fabric of the scriptures. I think about lay your life down for a friend. It's better to give than to receive. Consider others better than yourself. Mm -hmm. If something causes you to sin, cut it off. I mean, it's all over the scriptures, a sacrifice. Get rid, get rid, get rid, replace with Christ, replace with and I looked at the definition of sacrifice, and it's rough, okay? It says, an act of slaughtering an animal or person, person, surrendering a possession or self as an offering to God or a divine figure. And I read that, and I was like, did we have to use the word slaughtering? That right. was a little bit like intense. Like, I don't want to be slaughtered, <laughs> right? But that's, that's the definition of sacrifice. And when you became a disciple, you gave yourself over. You sacrificed your me. So that you could become like Christ, yeah. and it's not just your again, it's not just your sinful nature that you want to sacrifice, but it's your it's your your career dreams, yeah. right? Some of that, some of the stuff we have to sacrifice isn't always bad. Some of the stuff we have to sacrifice is just things that God is like, I have different plans, and I need you to trust me. Yeah. I have different intentions with your life, and I need you to trust me. You know, for me, it's crazy that I'll be a disciple for ten years <laughs> in December blows my mind. I remember when I first became a disciple I would meet people who were like four years old spiritually and I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're like you know everything, don't you? Like, I was mesmerized because I didn't know you could have like a biblical relationship with Jesus. I didn't know that was possible. I remember when I realized I wasn't a disciple I was like, oh, that makes total sense. Like, not, Mind you, I was an assistant youth pastor when I, right, when I was studying the Bible. I was like, who I am is not like Jesus. And so as they were teaching me to be a disciple I was like, Oh, this makes sense. So, like, are you a disciple? I was like, <laughs> no. I mean, you just said, we're just, <laughs> no. I'm not a disciple, obviously, right? And so, I think it's crazy because even though I've been here for almost 10 years, that doesn't mean that I've arrived. I'm still not fully at the end of me. Yeah, there are things in my sinful nature right now that I'm still fighting to get rid of, that I'm still fighting to surrender to. And I think we have to remember that none of us have arrived. We don't arrive until we hear, well done, my. Like servant. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think in our generation we're so independent that we think we've, we're entitled to arriving way sooner than. I mean, you're, you have to get to heaven to arrive, so anything yeah. other death is too soon, <laughs> you know. And so I think we're not willing to put in the work, the mm-hmm. sacrifice that it requires to go long term. I mean, I love Chelsea you saying, "I read my Bible in the morning and at night, and that was the best year ever." Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know how many of you guys like. Are enthralled with your scriptures, like digging and spinning. I, and I I laughed when you said, like, um, this is the most time you'll ever have to be able to read like that, because I, I'm i like, man, with a child, it's amazing if I can get 30. I mean, this morning I had a great quiet time, and I got to actually, like, read and journal. I was like, God, I am so spoiled. Thank you so much, You know, because that's so rare for me, right? I'm having to get creative in my quiet. But I think you guys can remember, you know, for me, I always have to remember Romans 12, my favorite chapter, it's, uh, it's in verse 2, it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I think my mind is always being renewed, mm-hmm. always having to change. And I want to ask, I want you to ask yourself, what's what's something in the last six months that God has changed my mind on? Mm-hmm. Because that's repentance, right? Repentance is a change of mind, at least a change of action, meditation. And so what is something that God has changed your mind on drastically yeah. the last couple months? Maybe the last couple of weeks. I think if we're really engaged in our walks with God, we are so unlike God that if we're interacting with him on a regular basis. We could have, like, ten answers to that question yeah. in the last six months, right? Let alone the last two weeks. What's something that you're yeah. engaged with God on that he's changed your mind on recently? Yeah. And I don't mean, like, again, not just when you got baptized, but right now. In your quiet times, what did you realize you were wrong in? What -hmm. did you realize you were right in and didn't know? Like, this is a journey with God that we have to continue to fight, to swap lives. And it makes it really clear that our discipleship is not about us. It's not about you and how good you are, but it's really about us reflecting Christ. The Bible says that we should be reflecting the ever-increasing glory of God. Like, I want to be more and more like Jesus every single day. I want to really look at the scriptures and appreciate. Part of suffering because that's how the people of the scriptures got there. Yeah. You know, that's how the people of the, the, the scriptures really decided, like, hey, when, if Christ suffered this way, and even Rob, I don't know about you, when he was reading about how the apostles died in the first century, I was like, the, are, we're in the same you know, lineage as these people. Wow, I don't, I honestly don't want to go out like any of them, okay. if I'm honest, right? But they, Peter, even saying, like, I'm not. So, if put me upside down, wow. what like that is that blows my mind so much. And we can look at a screen, an example of that. Let's look at Acts chapter 5. Let's go, we'll see an example of some disciples who were really fired up about suffering.
0: Yeah,
1: let's go, Joya.
0: In Acts 5, this is, um, this is a really convincing passage. Uh, I'm
1: gonna read verses. Some of the disciples have been persecuted for preaching. And in verse 40, we pick up and it says, when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them to not speak in the name of Jesus and to let them go. Then they left the presence of the council. Oh, okay, I think I started too early. Okay. In verse 40, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Every day in the temple courts, And from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ was Jesus. And another version, I was a little confused, another version says that they were flogged. They were flogged right here, right? And so they left a flogging, rejoicing. And why does it say they were rejoicing? Did you see that? It says they were rejoicing because they were excited to be able to suffer for Christ's name. And I love what Shauna shared. I think sometimes we're excited to baptize we're excited to say the girl we shared with is coming to church. We're excited to say, and those are all great things. But when it's time to suffer, oh, we're not feeling it. I, and that's me too. I'm, I'm no different. We're not feeling it. And I think we we have to really fight to figure out, like, what is that in my heart that I'm yeah. pursuing, that sacrifice that I feel like, oh, why me? Hmm. I remember going through a really hard time, I'll share in a second, but I was going through a really hard time two years ago, and I was tempted to feel that why me? But then it was like God was standing in my face, and not in an arrogant or aggressive way. But He would just say, "Why not you?" Mm. I'm like I don't know, but like what me? You know, like He just was like, "Why not? Yeah. Why not you?" Right? And so I feel like it's something that we have to question ourselves. I think mm. for me, when I fast sometimes, and I get that feeling of like I am so hungry. Usually, like twenty minutes after I start, yeah. <laughs> I'm like starving, and sometimes what encourages me is to think, wow, maybe Jesus might have felt what I'm feeling, mm-hmm. right? He fasted for 40 days, so I haven't done that. <laughs> but it's, it, it's a cool moment to think, yeah. I'm relating to Jesus right now. Like, God in the yeah. flesh might have felt what I'm feeling yeah. right now, you know? And we have to ask ourselves, do we really desire to relate to Christ? Mm-hmm. Because if you do desire to relate to Christ, then you do desire a life of suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we can remove those connections. Because we don't want to celebrate the concept of suffering, but I wonder if we, if we were to think of it that way, do we really, really actually want to be like Jesus? Mm-hmm. If we had to attach it to hard times to sacrifice, mm-hmm. do we genuinely want to be like Jesus when like, the rubber meets the road? And I think about, I was uh, thinking about how when I went and saw, who saw Wonder Woman? Yes. Saw that movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> um, but Wonder Woman, they're they're on the, the the movie opens up and they're on this island of all these like gangster women. Like, yeah, they yeah. are like <laughs> boss. They can fight, they have arrows, they don't have guns, they're just like totally like fit, and they, they and they're ready to fight. They're like they follow their commander, they're they're ready to go, right? And I'm like, I belong there. Take me to the skira. Like <laughs> I wanna be one of them, you know, and they're not afraid, right? When the people come and they start to like come into their world, they're like they're not like, oh, we should call someone. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, let's go. Yeah. Like, No questions asked, let's go, right? Yeah. And so when I watch those movies, I want to like, I don't know, I want to go to a battle or something. Oh, yeah. like, the other day, we were at a, uh, for one of the girls that got married recently, we went laser tagging for a part for Girls night Out. And me and Bree Schaaf had this moment, it was amazing. We were like, this is laser tag, by the way. <laughs> we're like, back to back, with in this laser tag game, guns like a blaze, we're like, yeah! It's just dramatic, but I'm like, this is what I live for. Like, this is my spirit animal. Like, I wish I could be one of those women who is trained and fit and is not afraid of a fight. Like, she's ready to go. But what does it take to be that person? Mm -hmm. Training, sacrifice, working out, time, maybe missing that donut that I picked up. Like, there's a lot of things that it takes. So when my alarm goes off to say, hey, LaToya, get up to work out, do I still want to be like the women in the mascara? <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes we can look at Jesus like that. Mm. Like, wow, Jesus is so amazing, so many blessings, I love the kingdom, all my best friends, this is awesome. He's like, sacrifice. You're like, oh, were you serious about that? Because I thought we were just gonna, you know, like it's yeah. it's different when it's really time to, to make the sacrifices it takes yeah. to be like Jesus, yeah. right? To be like Jesus, to rely on who he is, we have to be okay You know, it's easy to watch movies like that or read these amazing stories and be fired up and inspired. And we need those times for sure. But when it's time to train and when it's time for your character to be changed, when it's time for you to be crucified to the flesh, we got to love that just as much, ladies. we got to really embrace those times. Are you guys with me? Yeah. 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 I also think it's, it's it's a cool thing with it getting to the end of us because it gets us to the beginning of Christ. And so we get to rely on him in a really, really special way. In Hebrews 5, you can write this down. Hebrews 5, verse 7. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. It's really interesting because Jesus knew that his Father could save him from death, but he didn't. God called him to die. And even though he wanted to be saved from death, right? We see that in the garden. Mm -hmm. And God said, no, I I want you to still go through with it. You know, he made the choice to go through with it. God decided not to save Jesus, did not make Jesus despise God.
0: Mm.
1: Like, even though God literally says, the one who could save him from death, he's like, God, you are the one that could stop this suffering. But the reverent submission part is the beautiful part because he doesn't say, okay, God, since you you want me to suffer, I'm going to be a little bit bitter with you. I'm going to be a little bit irritated with you. I'm going to be a little bit upset with you. I'm going to question whether or not I really want to stay in my relationship with you. No, the fact that God still called him to suffer made him rely on God all the more. And I think it's interesting that sometimes when we suffer, we make that an opportunity to walk away from God, even if not permanently, just a little bit in our heart. Right? Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, no take taken God. I'll I'll add that one to the negative side. Mm-hmm. Right? When our faithfulness, when it's when it's time to suffer, that's an opportunity for our faithfulness to be made stronger. Yeah. It says Jesus rel- He cried out with loud cries and tears to the one who could stop the suffering. Yeah. But even though it just blows my mind, even though God did not stop the suffering, Jesus decided to hold on even stronger. He's like, all right, God, if, if you want me to go through this suffering, I'm going to need you. And Satan knows that's the worst decision you can make is when you suffer and walk away. Because yeah. mm-hmm. guess what? Now you're suffering without your protection. You're right. going to suffer. I mean, that's that's life, right? You're going to suffer. But that's the beauty of our walks with God is that we get to suffer with him. Yeah. We get yeah. to walk with him. And Jesus' prayer life, it inspires me. He's not poised or scripted or you know in Gethsemane we see him falling on his face to the ground he's desperate yeah. he's not trying to be like oh God I appreciate your will I'm surrendered he's being so so honest yeah. and I think sometimes I know for me I think sometimes we can avoid times of desperation mm-hmm. we don't want to be desperate we don't want to see that needy we don't mm-hmm. want to look bad before God um, and if I'm honest I think we're really emotionally lazy mm-hmm. our generation especially when we were Emotionally lazy. We don't want to go there. Mm. We don't want to cry. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to like you know have snot or mess up our mascara. Like we, we're just like, God, please help. But like some there some of us have been hurt by this world. Some of us have been abused, abandoned, lied to, lied on. Like we've been destroyed by this world. Yeah. And instead of falling apart before God, we try to hold it together and that's not gonna get us to the end of ourselves. I think it's, it's, I really wanna, you know, lift up any of you in here who have decided to go seek professional counseling or get on medication for your, for your well-being. Because it's ostracized sometimes, but that takes maturity. That takes guts, and that takes a desire to get rid of the things that are hurting you. That's not easy. I was in therapy for a while, and I'm a huge advocate of it. If you need help, that's okay. Because at the end of the day, you can't get to the end of you without passing that stuff. Right. Sometimes we mature, we mature, but that, I mean, that deep stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, I got some daddy issues. Anybody here got daddy issues? Mm-hmm. I got some daddy issues. And when they come up, it's a moment where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to open that Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like going there. I don't feel like praying about him. I don't feel like forgiving him. I don't feel like, but what I'm saying is that I'm pursuing my own comfort rather than the heart of Christ who is an initiator of Reconciliation. So if I'm going to do that, I really got to rely on Jesus. If I'm going to make that phone call to my dad, I'm going to, re- I mean, it takes me about a month and a half of thinking about calling my dad before I can actually call my dad, right? So some of us have those things that we want to put to the side because they're too hard to deal with. But you're not going to get to the end of you if you don't get healed by that. You're not going to get to the end of you if you don't really, really deal with that. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate, and Satan knows that. He's going to use those wounds against you. When we don't deal with that, when we don't make the sacrifices to deal with the hard stuff, and sometimes it takes time to get there, and it takes years to deal with some of this hard stuff, but if we don't, it affects our walks with God. Yeah. It affects our roles in the ministry. It affects the way we love people. It affects the way we see our brothers and sisters, because if you have, let's say you have a sister, I don't have sisters, but let's say you have a sister issue. You and your sibling are just combated, don't have peace. you guys don't get along. And guess what happens? There's a sister in the ministry who hurts you. Yeah. Satan uses that to say, see, the church is just like, and then you never know where that leads. Yeah. Or that you're, any of those wounds Satan can really use. And so it makes us defensive to discipling. Yeah. We, we really push ourselves in a way that's like isolating. Like she mentioned earlier, we, we get really isolated. All these wounds that require a lot of emotional integrity, to deal with and we don't deal with them in our laziness, Satan uses it against us hardcore. Yeah. Um, and I think what's sad about that is that we, we became disciples not just to a, a nice king, but to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, yeah. the God of all comfort. We chose to follow someone who can handle your hurt. Yeah. We actually chose to follow the one guy who can heal you. Yeah. And so if we avoid him, there's nowhere else to get healing there's no other options. And so I really want to implore, implore this group, not just for the sake of counseling and all that. Maybe you don't need it, but whatever it is that's hard for you, deal with it. Yeah. Because Satan will use it against yeah. you at some point. He yeah. will bring it back up. And the world needs us to be ready to fight. The yeah. world needs us to be ready to sacrifice. Yeah, And I want to really think even about, for me, um, being in the ministry has been something that's been really, really redefining and full of sacrifice for my own character. Nothing purges my character like being in a full-time ministry. I'm naturally very selfish with my time and my energy. I don't really have time to be selfish, you know? I want to focus on what makes me happy. I don't get to do that. And I've, I hated it at first, but I love it now. I'm so grateful to be where I am. And I wanted to share a story um, because I think when I was a campus student, like I shared before, I was so set on going to graduate school. I wanted nothing to do with the ministry. I mean, the first time they asked me to lead a women's Bible talk, I bawled cry. I was like, please don't make me do that. Please don't make me do that. But I learned slowly but surely with guidance and with a trainer how to make those leaps past me. Sometimes there were little, little steps. I just put my toe over and come back. <laughs> you know, but then the leaps got bigger. The leaps got bigger. And I think in the campus ministry, I learned how to take big jumps. And not know where I was landing, not know how it was going to work out, but I really learned to trust God so that as I got, I've got i gotten older, I've had some really hard times. But jumping far past me became normal in my walk with God. I remember when um, a couple, this was in 2017, we shared with our ministry, before I had Camden, I actually had a miscarriage. In November 2017, I had a miscarriage. and It was by far the hardest time of my life, by far. And, um... Very long story short, I found out that we had lost the baby on Tuesday. The baby passed on Wednesday. It was painful, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I mean, everything that was bad, I felt. And I was in the house, kind of just recuperating for the next couple of days. And the first time I came out of the house was for Sunday church. Mind you, the only people who knew that this had happened was my mom, my husband, our immediate family, Tom and Kelly knew, and that was it. Maybe a couple of friends, I think you guys knew, Mackenzie. I think a few people knew because no one really knew we were pregnant at the time. So no one knew. So I came to church, and in the world around me, it's a regular day. But to me, I'm in the fight of my life. I'm physically still not feeling great, but I'm trying to be giving. And I see a sister in Mackenzie's ministry who looks looks a little bit like she doesn't want to be there. And so I'm like, okay, let me go check on her let really me make sure she's okay. Really long story short, I mean, shared a conversation with her, and she's extremely mean to me. She's very like, it's very clear that she's tolerating my conversation. But I'm trying to be giving, I'm trying to be loving, and and there's tears right here. I mean, there's tears right there. But she's like kind of jabbing at me. And I'm like, okay, what else do you need? How can I, and I offer to pray for her. We pray together and we are sitting right there. Offer to pray together, and even me offering to pray, it was like blood coming out of my teeth. It was like I was, I was jumping past me in that moment. Because everything in me wanted to be like, First of all, hi, I'm LaToya, a person, you wanna be nicer and all, you know, like I just, I felt so taken advantage of, I felt unseen, I felt unimportant, and everything in my sinful nature wanted to validate me, and wanted to protect me. But that's not what Jesus did. You guys remember what Jesus said when he was on the cross? What did he say? That's a real question. What did Jesus say when he was on the cross? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so in that moment, I'm thinking about Jesus on the cross with nails in his arms because of my sin, looking out at the crowd, praying for them. And I was like, okay, let me pray for you, because that's what Jesus would do if you were here. And everything in me wanted to die. And she didn't care. She didn't even know. She still doesn't know to this day, because it's not about her. In that moment, I had a choice to be like Jesus or be like me. And I'm, I'm like, amen, to God be the glory. I decided to be like me, but I think I learned lessons like that when I was in your shoes. I love what they said in the lesson earlier today, so I won't reiterate it a ton, but when you show up to Bible Talk ready to give to your feelings or Jesus, it makes a difference. When you show up to church ready to give to your feelings or to Jesus, it makes a difference. And it teaches you how to do that at these small stages. And God forbid when life happens at big stages when you're when you're older, you've you've had practice. You've had practice on how to push past yourself. Now, was she right? No. But that doesn't matter. Neither were the people who were crucifying Jesus, right? So it's not about where you're wrong. So what? Jesus is Lord, you know? And so I think we've got to learn how to sacrifice our feelings in those moments. Now, did I go and talk to someone about that moment and get my heart ready and get my heart prayed for and be open about how I felt and get someone who actually could take care of me? Yeah, I did. But she wasn't that person for me. Yeah. So I'm not saying, you know, mute your feelings and pretend everything's fine and always give you a gift. You gotta have the people who will take care of you. But there are moments, ladies, that God is gonna call you to fully be like Jesus when yeah. you do not wanna be like Jesus. You gotta make that leap. You gotta make that leap past you. And I, I also felt like there was this really special moment when you know we found out we were pregnant with Camden, Every girl in the campus ministry here is crying every time I see them because yeah. they're like, hey, it's, it's a super, super incredible journey. Um, but I remember getting pregnant. Again, the cues of the world is like, take care of you. You're pregnant, you're carrying a life, eat for two, put your feet up, do your thing. Like, it's, it, this, this, this time is all about you. And I wanted that time to be all about me, but I also know that's my sinful nature to be really selfish. And so I prayed this prayer, and this is my first time even sharing it, but I prayed this prayer, I said, God, while I'm pregnant, I'd like to help six girls become disciples. Because I knew if I had a goal like that, I'd push myself. I knew if I had a goal like that, in moments where I was out and about, I would be really intentional with my time, right? And I remember the first week of school, we were on campus and shared my faith on Monday, and I met this girl. And normally when I you know meet someone the first week of school, I'm like, oh, what are you doing next week? Like, I'd love to get together. Maybe on Monday we could get some time, blah, blah, blah. I met this girl, she was open. I'm like, what are you doing tomorrow? Because <laughs> I know I don't have that much time, right? I started the semester in my third trimester. And I I initiated, let's get together tomorrow. We met on Monday, we had our first Bible study on Tuesday, and I count the cost with her the, day, the, the, the week after uh, my last appointment before I had Camden. And I got to help six girls become Christians while I was pregnant. Some of them didn't even know I was pregnant while I was in the water with them. But to me, it was like, God, I don't, I, just, I don't want to focus on myself right now. I don't want to make it all about me right now. And I think that was only a testament to those moments where God was teaching me in smaller times, toy it's still not about you. This, this church, it's not about you. This kingdom, it's not about you. You got to sacrifice. You got to move out of the way. And I think we really have to learn to leap past our me. So think about that right now. What's something that you can go home with thinking, I'm gonna leap past that. I'm gonna jump past me, and I gotta sacrifice this thing. Oh my gosh, the picture of the Christmas tree today. Yeah. I was like, oh Lord, please don't show that picture. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> but that tree is literally the has been the ban of my existence. But at some point, we gotta get rid of some stuff, right? And so we gotta figure out what it is that we need to sacrifice. Yeah. You know, I think what's really special about when we get to the end of ourselves is what we experience with God the victories that we get to experience with god it's really special when your spirit gets to start being made happy right not your me but when your holy spirit is made happy you know that feeling you get when you're you know reaching out to someone and they finally get it you're like oh my gosh she she gets jesus or you've been wrestling over a topic and and they get it your spirit is happy right or that moment um, you share with 500 people, and that one girl yeah. becomes a Christian. Your spirit is happier. That's how you get a victory in your purity. I remember my first victory in my purity. I was like, I made it. I'm alive. I can do this. Amen. You know, like, those moments where your spirit is happy is what you want to pursue. Yeah. Not when your me is happy, but your spirit is happy. What is yeah. that for you? When you get to memorize the scripture, when you get to share your faith with that one person who scares you the most, I don't know what it is, but find it. You know, for me right now, as we're closing, I want to share about some of the things that make my spirit happy. One of the biggest things that makes my spirit happy, and it's the reason I started crying today, is looking at the women in Atlanta. When I did, got to North River, I did not want to be on staff. They offered me a position and I said no. I was like, I don't want to be on this is me being prideful. I don't want to be on staff because Jordan's on staff. Let's dumb. You know, like I just was like so arrogant. And then I started to get to know the women at Georgia State. started to get to know the, know the women at Georgia Tech. And I remember coming back going, is it too late? Can I be on staff? And it was too late. And I ended up having to work a full-time job and serve in the campus ministry. And that was taxing and very difficult, but it's you ladies that make this life a joy. Because I think about people like Katie Atzbeha. That's okay. Bay. Katie is a phenomenal artist. Katie's your girl. Katie was studying the Bible a couple years ago, and I remember having a, a make or break conversation in Marietta Square, and she actually got baptized during CTP a few years ago. And now she has, she's an artist, and so now she has a page where she, she was, uh, I don't even know what you call it, but she drew or created something for, for a page in one of Douglas Jacoby's books. She's In one of Douglas Shrakobi's books, I'm like I remember talking to that girl in the park at Marietta Square, trying to persuade her to become a Christian. I think about two girls at uh, Emory University. Emory University is one of our smaller campuses, and it's always been a a few number of sisters. And so Audrey and Ashley Ann have been two pillars our Emory ministry, I mean, they have stuck it out, and they both have graduated and accepted full-time jobs and are transitioning out of the campus ministry, but they are solid women. Yeah. And I remember fighting alongside them for Emory, and now we even have a, a solid campus ministry at Emory University, Emory. which is really encouraging. I think about Zoe. I'm Zoe's currently so so on her honeymoon. So. Zoe came over here as a freshman from Amsterdam, and I remember her struggling in her walk with God. I remember her struggling to get comfortable the States. I remember fighting alongside of her. And standing behind her as she married her husband was one of the most amazing moments of my life. I think about Adia, a student at Georgia Tech. Adia was an atheist when I first met her. Every single time, I am in a circle with Adia and she prays and she says, in Jesus' name, amen, it sparks my spirit. Because she did not. I remember trying to convince her that Jesus was real. Every time Adia prays, it, it I think about Haley Eskew. Haley is phenomenal. Haley is my right hand. Haley has my whole heart. And she is someone who is reliable. She and I got to North River at the same time. She is a freshman, me, you know, coming in. And we have been walking arm in arm together. And every single semester, Haley has helped someone become a Christian. I've been able to watch her mature and grow. She graduated from Georgia Tech and is now about to move to NOVA. And I'm just so proud of who she is the woman that she is, the way she's impacted this ministry, that makes my life a joy. I could go, on. Ah, there's Nani, there's Malaya, there's Seasongers32, what's up, girlfriend? <laughs> I could go on and on, but I'm not lying. The women that I get to see from beginning to now, it's not even the end, we're just getting started, but that makes my spirit happy. And that reminds me that what I'm doing, I'm not just a campus minister, Oh, I'm not just a women's ministry leader. Oh! <gasps> the world. And I think each and every one of the women that you impact get you one step closer to being able to do that. As I close, I'm going to share a quote with you that I love. It's from one of my favorite songs. The quote is, I know I'm filled to be emptied again. The seed I received, I will sow. And I really want to call us to that heart. Is that at the end of the day, our lives are not about us. We have decided to be vessels for Christ. And whether it's through your training, through your health, through the Bible studies that you're in, through your prayer life, whatever it is, if you can fight to get rid of your me and surrender your life to relying on the characteristics of Christ, I really believe the world will be changed. Amen.